almost there's almost no rhyme or reason to them. Like the the long ones are like, let me see how far I can push myself. Yeah. You know, and I feel like they built they would just build on each other. So snowball was like speed. Snowball was like I want to do it. I want to get faster and faster and faster. Um, which is all well and good, but it doesn't really lend well to distance. Yeah. Like like merry rides or distance rides. Those are builders, and so really it was like let me see how far I can go. Get a century under me and then okay now I'll do 200 miles get that done and then really I think the really longer longer rides were really building up to um, to the 300 miler and then also is some of them are even before my tour um, so it was just kind of just building that endurance All right, welcome to another episode of the Stoke Podcast. That was Brian. And in today's episode, Brian dives into his story and his journey on the bike. Um, it's one that is inspiring. Um, you know, we can all kind of relate to when we first found the bike. But for Brian, um, he used his first bike as a tool, a tool to meet other people to find a community to find health and to ultimately um, find a new passion so his story is pretty cool because he he will get done with pizza sleda that's so he's a flag local um, and it'll be 11 p.m at night and he was telling stories of just how he decides to just go ride to the south rim and then all the way over to cameron and up to sunset uh, so he he has a really cool way of riding the bike and it's it's super inspiring he's ridden across the country he he has ridden the blue ridge trail i think or blue ridge parkway um so but yeah he he's he's ridden his bike he's he's inspired so many people and he's also raised a lot of money for cancer research um and so he does it for a good cause as well but before we get into it, I just want to say Pinions and Pines, the 300-mile bikepacking race. There's also a 500 this year as well. It is sold out. Registration has closed. There's about 63 people on the wait list. Um, and Pinions and Pines sold out in, I think, 17 minutes. So it caught me off guard. I'm on the wait list. So... I didn't even get a, a spot. So um, these these bikepacking races, they're really selling out quick. They're becoming popular, especially Pinions and Pines, because it is such a, a, a great venue, and a, or I guess great experience and a great race. And Dana and Dylan put on a good, good course. Um, but anyway, it's, it's kind of a bummer. But um, this year... Uh, 2023, we got two events coming in the Verity Valley. We got Mingus Underground Gravel and the Verity Valley Rally. So these are going to be a bike race and a gravel community ride. Um, just because it's a community ride doesn't mean it, is, it isn't going to be hard. 
it's like 103 miles and there's going to be some fast guys. So um, put that on your calendars. But the Verde Valley Rally, um, this is a competitive. Uh, this is fast. There's a 44-mile marathon. There's a 30. There's a 15. Um, and it's at Dead Horse National Park, which if you're not familiar, <clears throat> I think the Verde Valley Rally is the only bike race in Dead Horse. So um, it's it's nothing like anything else. So um, yeah, guys, keep an eye out on those coming soon. <clears throat> and also Papago six hour race. Um, that's going to be in Scottsdale. It's a six hour race, but there's also a fundraiser that I'll put into the show notes. Um, and it is going towards autism awareness. So, uh, you can find a donor, find someone that will uh, donate money for every lap you do, they'll donate to um, the Autism Children's Center. So, um, and I, that that's down in Tucson with a woman named Jody. I'll get more information on that for you guys, but um, that's going to be in my show notes. I will be participating. Um, I'll be wearing an autism jersey and I'm going to try to go smash myself to raise some money. Um, and that'll be next not next weekend, but the weekend after January 28th. Um, so keep an eye out and that, that'll just be a fun race in general. Um, Confluence 928, we're making headway. We're coming into 2023 season. Um, so guys, follow us. Um, if you guys have any input on pro teams or, you know, if you know anyone who is looking for a team, just let me know. Um, Quinn Travis uh, on Instagram or or Stoke Podcast. So anyway, guys, I'm going to stop rambling on. Um, let's get into the episode. I think this is episode nine. I'm just drinking my cup of coffee right now. No notes, just going off the top of the dome. Um, but episode nine, we got Brian Landau. Lindau of the free. So guys, enjoy the episode. Let me know. <clears throat> always, always, always let me know what I can do better. Let me know um, who I should interview, what you want to listen to. This is for you. This isn't for me. So <clears throat> anyway, all right, guys. And also, I think the audio is a little off on this episode because we spent like 30 minutes trying to figure it out. Um, like I said, I'm new to podcasting. So uh, I hate when I have a guest and I'm like scrambling around to get my mics working. So I think one mic was working, but it's it doesn't sound terrible. But anyway, let's get it. This is Brian Landau.
super honored to have him in the house for a face-to-face podcast because usually it's over Zoom. So thanks for being here. Well, thanks for letting me have Come on. Absolutely. Um, and so I want to start back, you know, before the bike was involved in your life. Um, and how did how did your life look with before the bike and then as soon as you were on the bike, kind of what you've learned or kind yeah, of? Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Um, I, I feel like before I got onto cycling, um, I was working for NAPTA back in Flagstaff, Northern Arizona Intergovernmental Public Transportation Authority. It's a bus transit company in Flagstaff. And I was um, just the supervisor and I had worked with them for over six years and I wasn't really motivated, wasn't healthy really. Um, and I saw, you know, Pete's Cletta and Caleb and James doing this ride every day, the Tour de France. And I saw an opportunity to, you know, get into that, um, that community and then also into Pete's Cletta directly. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was, um, I, I had a couple of days off, so I went to Flag Bike Revo and got my bike checked out. And I was like, all right, I want to go ride up Snowball. And the boys were basically like, yeah, you probably want to just set the bike aside. Um, let us check it out and we'll let you rent a bike and um, go out that day. Um, so, yeah, it was, I don't know, like my, my riding was pretty little and inconsistent in 2014. I had done it a few times, Snowball itself, um, and going with Caleb and James. And I think the initial trio was basically Caleb, James, and Tommy Rivers, Poozy. And um, so I was able to tag along with them, um, I think, a total of three or four times. Um, and it was, you know, they topped out at, I think it was normally 9 o'clock or 8.30. They do a group photo and they come down and... Um, so when I went out, I went out super early, try to get like ahead of them in a sense, but then decided to wait at the bottom of Snowball Road for them to arrive. And then I would ride with them up the hill, um, which was a huge mistake. Um, I wasn't in the shape that they were in any way. Um, and so within minutes, like their cadence was so much more than mine and they had dusted me pretty quick. And so... For a while on riding that, I was like, all right, I'll just keep on going, keep on going. And then midway up, um, they were all kind of bombing down and they're all congratulating me, telling me I'm doing a good job. And in my head, I was like crushed because, you know, no group photo. And um, about that time, Caleb came around and he was like, oh, you want company? You want to ride with me? Uh, or you want me to ride with you? And I said, yeah, sure. And um, so he rode with me and I just got to chat with him. Um, I had seen that he was looking for a dishwasher on the internet and I just kind of said, Hey, you know, how can I apply for the job? You know? And, um, he said, yeah, just, you know, throw an application, you know, resume, um, and just drop it off by the restaurant. And so we rode together, we topped out and, um, we got a photo together and later that day put together my resume my restaurant experience and then like cover letter and dropped it off and made a point to um to use really nice paper it was like a cotton paper embossed and um just dropped it off and um 
And it was about a month before I got word back from Kilo about getting a job there. And um, meanwhile, I was still working for the bus company and just, um, just kind of doing the job. Not happy, not motivated, not didn't really have any sort of direction going on. And so when I finally started with Pete's Cletta the night before my first shift, I um, had 18 months worth of a beard going on and shaved off the beard, showed up to work the next day, like dress shirt, long sleeve dress shirt, docker pants, and rolled up to PT and just kind of like knocked on the door. And um, they, they were like, oh, we don't open till five. And then they realized who I was. They're like, oh, that's Brian. Like, and they let me in. And um, so I worked with them for, you know, two nights a week. It was Saturday, Sunday nights. And um, I just did dishes and finally was just moving up. And um, and it came around like January. I gave notice to the bus company. I just kind of had enough. I had checked out. I knew I checked out. And I knew I needed to step aside and let someone else take over that supervisor job. And so I let Caleb know, I was like, hey, you know, I gave notice to the bus company and, you know, I'm willing and able to work more if you will have me. And um, so I was able to utilize my idle time by helping out James, who's another co-owner of Pete's Cletta and Indian Gardens. And um, so with James, I had helped him re-roof his garage when um, he had purchased his home. And I had all this idle time, all this free time. So I showed up every day. And one night he said, you know, Deja, his partner, and him wanted me to come over for dinner. And I said, all right. And so I come over their dinner to their place for dinner. And um, when I walked through the door, he was like cleaning up this bike. And um, he's like, oh, I'm getting your bike ready for you. I said, what do you mean? He's like, uh, well, you want to get into cycling. Um, you need a bike. I have the bike. Or you need the tool. I have the tool. Um, so I want to give this to you. And so he gifted me a Surly Crosscheck. And so the Surly Crosscheck became my tool, became my, um, my way of cycling and to get through it. And so um, through that, it was like riding Snowball Road um, became definitely just kind of like ride that, ride that, ride that. Um, and then, you know, Lake Mary was a trainer ride for a while. Um, and then warmer weather, you know, trying to do it like via pay and take boys and go on the group ride on Saturdays, um, which was humbling quite often. I was definitely, um, strongly coached by some of the guys. Um, there's one guy in particular that was very rough, um, but he kind of, he was honest, you know, it's like you either stay on the wheel or you can't like, and if you can't stay on the wheel, like you got to drop back. And so for a while, my goal was just to stay on the last wheel, like just stay with the boys. Like if you can make it out to the first entrance of Mormon Lake, um, because they would do stop points. Like, yeah. so you go from pay and take and then you drop off or stop off at, um, at the mailboxes and then from mailboxes, you'll stop again at the first entrance of the Mormon Lake Loop. And then obviously you stop off at the lodge. And um, pay and take was, it was a humbling ride. There's no doubt. Like every Saturday, it was absolutely humbling. Um, and so the goal for me was always just to stay on the tail end of it all. Like just 
do the best I could. Like I knew um, that I wasn't going to be the fastest um, in any way, but like if I could be a part of something, that's that's what I wanted. Um, and I don't know. I, I think when I started cycling, um, initially, like my health wasn't the greatest. I was carrying a lot more weight. I mean, I was, like I said, I was probably 220, maybe 230 pounds and, um, and really no direction, no focus. And, and it was just kind of like just doing well at a job and getting paid well, but not really taking care of myself. And so when I found cycling, I was like, wow, it's something I can push myself and challenge myself and um, just really constantly build from that and grow from that and just go harder out um, kind of each time, you know. Was the initial uh, attraction to the bike um, adventure or was it more of like, I need to kind of change my health? I think it was adventure and being a part of something. So it was like going out was like, wow, and I can be with these guys. Like these guys were idols to me, like to see them and see what they're doing. It was my desire to be a part of that. Like I, I've never been like an athletic person. I've never been like on an athletic team. Um, the biggest thing was like soccer when I was younger and I loved that. Um, but then with, there was three of us, it was my brother, my sister and I, all on three different soccer teams mom and dad kind of grew tired of you know three different fields three different times they're like all right you know this is a bit more than we want to manage um but i never got into like high school sports and stuff like that um i went to culinary arts school so i'm a chef by trade um and i did that right out of high school um and that's what i've done since 16 years old let's say so i've done that for almost 29 years and um, so cycling to me was initially that draw to be a part of something and the byproduct became like the health change. And so something I physically felt is something I visually saw and other people saw as well. And so that, that in a sense became like um, very, um, very like, I, I enjoyed it. It became a drug in a way. Like the cycling was like every time I could go out, I was releasing those endorphins and really getting that rush of like pushing myself that much further and that much har harder. And um, to be able to ride with guys, you know, kind of later in my cycling, you know, to ride with Rob Carr and to do like for him and I, um, quite regularly, we would do either um, snowball rides. Um, we did a national parks tour in a sense. We did a three day, um, it was first day was the North Rim from Jacob Lake out to Point Pleasant and Cape Royal to the lodge and then back to Jacob Lake. And so it was like 126 miles, I think. And then the second day was Zion. So we went from, um, I think it's Leverkin or not Leverkin, but it was just outside of Hurricane. And um, we rode through Zion, went out the east, um, came back through, I think we went up to the lodge and then we went back towards um, Hurricane. And then the third day was Bryce. And so each day was like 100 plus miles and quite a bit of um, elevation. But to ride with someone like that and, you know, for, for him to want to ride with me, like was like humbling, but then it was also 
it, it, it really made me rival, you know? Um, and so, um, yeah, it was, it's been pretty awesome. Um, and yeah, so my writing, I would say started in 2015 really is when it started. Um, I've made an attempt at the Blue Ridge Parkway, um, in early November, which was a mistake because, um, Blue Ridge Parkway essentially shuts down October 31st. Mm. It's kind of the last day. And but, so what is the Blue Ridge Parkway? So the Blue Ridge Parkway, East Coast, Appalachian Mountains. Um, and so it basically follows a lot of the um, Appalachian Trail, so the AT. And so the northern route of it is also called... Um, I'm spacing this. Why am I spacing this? Um, so it's Blue Ridge Parkway in the north of that. But it's through Virginia. And I can't remember what it's called. But I wanted to piece that, but my timing of things wasn't going to work. Um, and so you wanted to do this big stretch in yeah. a certain amount of time or like a Yeah, days? I mean, I had... I, I mean, essentially, I was leaving, I think it was November 31st or November 30th to go to New Zealand. And I had three months in front of me to go to New Zealand or three months at New Zealand or in New Zealand. Um, so the Blue Ridge, my goal then blindly was I'll just ride this and I'll ride it to the end of it. And so in the Blue Ridge, you know, it starts kind of outside of, um, oh, <laughs> the Northern route, um, kind of starts out of not Roanoke. It's definitely not Roanoke. I don't know why I'm spacing on this, but um, but the Blue Ridge Parkway, I wanted to ride it to the south, which is Cherokee, North Carolina. And um, and then from there, I didn't really have an idea. Like, I had really no idea what I was doing, um, which got me in trouble um, pretty quickly. Um, like I said, starting in November, having everything closed, um, my first day, first night was at a KOA. My original idea was I was going to camp out um, at an RV hookup and just put my tent out on the pad. But the price difference between that pad and the cabin wasn't really that drastic. So I just decided to stay at the cabin. But that was like 60 some odd miles. And the only fuel I can get that night was at their, their store. And so it was like Cool Ranch Doritos. It was hot dogs. It was, I think, a bag of peanut M&Ms. There was a thing of honest tea. Um, and I, you know, that's what I ate. You know, that's, that's what was available. Um, and that took me to kind of the lowest point of the Blue Ridge Parkway. And then my next day was going to take me to the highest point in Virginia, um, which was um, Peaks of Otter. Peaks of Otter, there's a lodge there and there's a campground and so my thought was i'll get there i can camp out there everything will be cool but it was a short day it was like 20 maybe 30 miles but it was probably 2,000 3,000 feet of climbing or something it was it was going from the lowest point of the blue ridge to the highest point in virginia along the blue ridge and it was raining it was foggy um and it was pretty cold um and so I got to the lodge and I was able to just put all, all my gear at that fireplace, kind of dry that out. Um, I had, I think, lunch with them and dinner with them. 
I ended up booking a room for myself and um, just kind of recovered for the day. And then my next day took me into Roanoke. And when I was riding into Roanoke, I um, found myself like having a little bit of knee issues. And I was like, ah, I'll just be all right and kind of sort things out. But, um, but I ended up staying with a couple in Roanoke through this website or this bicycling community called Warm Showers. And um, Rob and Lisa, the husband and wife, they put me up at their place. And through the community, they either will host you at their place, let you pitch a tent in their yard, um, stay in a spare bedroom, take a shower, um, do laundry, uh, feed you, take you to a bike shop. You know, it's like, it's very much kind of taking couch surfing and putting it for cyclists. Um, And so the next day when I rode out, Rob rode out with me to the Blue Ridge and, um, and really honestly, like knowing what I know now, like people don't, I think, give enough respect to the East Coast with elevation. Like they think East Coast, okay, a lot lower in elevation. You're not thinking like you're going to be climbing a ton, but the Blue Ridge Parkway is just like undulating. It's like you're going down quite a bit and then you're up, going up and down, up and down. It's just, just constant. Um, and so I personally underestimated, underestimated that myself. Um, my bike itself was probably, you know, 30 pounds, 30 some pounds. Um, and then the gear on the bike was probably another 30, 40 pounds. So you had like a full bike full kit. Yeah. yeah. So rear rack, rear panniers and a top bag. So I was carrying my sleeping bag, sleeping pad, um, sleeping in a tent. I carry food, um, and this, yeah, this was before, I'm trying to think, my gear was definitely a little bit different, but I think I was doing a um, tarp tent, so it was like a single pole design, and so my single pole would go to the top of a frame bag, so like, it was sleeved up right underneath the top tube, and so I could throw the, the, the tent pole there, and um, so when I rolled out of Roanoke and Rob and I rode and to a point he went and he got off route and he went back home and I continued on and I was really feeling some knee pain and I was just like, um, I was, I, I didn't know if I was going to make, make it in a sense, not to be dramatic, but I got to this place, it's called Meadows of Dan and, um, and there's like a little market um i don't know if they have a hotel but i ended up staying at this little cabin place and i pitched my tent there and um i think i ate some food and then went to bed crashed out and um i think i went to bed like seven or maybe eight o'clock at night and didn't wake up until the next morning till like nine nine maybe ten in the morning i was dead and um so i decided i was gonna try to roll out again and i started riding and my knee pain was like so bad that I would just hold, literally be holding my knee as I was pedaling. And I was like, all right, this isn't good. I need to turn myself around. So I turned myself around, went to Meadows of Dan, and I um, reached out to a good friend of mine who was like a, a regular pizza cletta. And also before I left Flag to go back east, when I was saying, oh yeah, I'm going to do like maybe a bit of Blue Ridge, this and that, whatever, Greg 
he said, he's like, he gave me his business card with his phone number and stuff. And he said, if you run into any issues, you know, just let me know. I have people like that. I know friends of mine in North Carolina, they'll help you out. I said, all right. So here I am in Meadows Dan and I threw him a message and I was like, yeah, you know, I know you made the offer to try to help me out. Um, I, I think I need a bit of a rescue. And he said, rescue. He's like, do you mean like, you know, airplane, ambulance? What are you talking about? And I said, no, 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 I, I just knew, um, like I told him what was going on, told him the knee issues, told him where it was at. And he's like, all right, let me get back to you. And so he got back to me. Um, he had a buddy of his um, that was living in Greensboro. And um, I'm trying to think of that guy's name. Uh, Greg, I think it is. Greg and his wife, they actually ended up hosting me. But a friend of Greg's, worked at this warehouse doing third shift, like overnight job. And that friend agreed to drive up to the Blue Ridge, pick me up. Um, he reached out to me. He said, hey, you know, I hear you having issues. You know, I'm going to come up and I'm going to get you. Um, hang out, eat a fried apple pie and just relax and I'll come and get you. And so um, it was, you know, it was humbling. Like I was like, all right, what am I going to do now? I'm way off route and I don't know if I am going to be able to go back to the route. Am I wanting to go back to the route? And um, knowing too that I had three months in New Zealand, I was like, I, I don't know if, if I push so hard, am I not going to be able to ride in New Zealand? So my goal was to just take the bike again to New Zealand and, you know, do some riding while I was there. Um, so you wanted to like play it safe and keep that knee good. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, all right, let me rest a little bit in Greensboro. Let me assess things. Let me see what's going on. Then also, I think it's Lauren and Greg are the couple. So Greg owns this like, motorcycle shop and he's kind of like this burly dude. And his wife, I believe, was a nurse or is a nurse. Um, and um, so they hosted me. They let me stay at their place. I remember Greg took me to this barbecue place back east in North Carolina and um, and it was just really like the connection was awesome. I ended up deciding that I wasn't going to continue riding, that I would just um, call it a pause and just wait and then make my way back to, um, to North Carolina or no, back to Arizona um, and then I would be flying out to New Zealand. But um, but yeah, no, I, I, um, I think me by nature, like I ramble. So I, I talk around the world type of stuff. So it's like, I almost want to redirect or not redirect, but kind of come back to maybe the idea of like who I am or what I am, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I think when I, when I thought about coming and doing like this podcast and reaching out to you, is like almost thinking about, okay, what is it that, I'm getting at or what is it that I'm telling you and what what is it that you're learning of me or, or even the listeners learning of me because you know if you listen to Dana and Dana's talking about like creating this route and going out on the route and and you know pushing himself and riding with other people and um, and then to you know talk with you know other cyclists it's like for me personally I'm like what's my story what what is it that um, I'm trying to share or, or tell and, um, 
and I feel like with me, kind of the underlying like storyline of mine, I feel like is community and a transformative nature of cycling. You know, that the bike kind of has brought to you. Oh yeah, no, mm-hmm. it's like with with cycling for me, starting on the cross check, you know, pushing a bike that's thirty, I think it was thirty two pounds, is that that bike? Um, it was the best tool I could have. You know, it wasn't carbon fiber it wasn't the best components it wasn't um it wasn't easy you know what i mean nor should it be um it's like on my arm i have never easy it was worth it um and it's become a mantra it's something caleb i believe said at one point and i kind of adopted it as well um but i rode the cross check for a bit of time and then a good friend of mine um zedek chris zedek who he became kind of a regular rider, rider of ours through snowball rides. He was selling a Defy, a giant Defy. And I was like, oh yeah, I could really, I'd love to get that. And you know, he was offering a pretty reasonable price for it. And I reached out to him and I said, I don't know if I can, uh, I really want it, I don't know if I can afford it. And I was kind of hemming and hawing on it. And finally I, I picked it up. And so I got, you know, to go from the cross check to the defy was huge i mean to go from stainless steel to um i think that was aluminum or yeah i believe that was aluminum. that's even a huge weight difference oh yeah i mean that was what was that like 20 something pounds maybe maybe 20 even or so um and then i rode that for a bit of time and then a guy this guy mike seminary um he was selling a giant TCR Advanced frame. So this was a carbon fiber bike. Um, it was just the frame, of course, and it had the seat, seat post, brake setups, bottom bracket was on, um, and that was it. And so the guys at Flag Bike Revo built that up, and they were building that up while I believe we were doing the Giro, the Elden rides. So we ride up Elden Lookout Road, Every day, the Giro d'Italia in May. So it was another group activity through Pizza Cletta. Um, it was 21 days or 21 times over 24 days. I think we had three rest days. Um, and then like for um, Snowball in July, that was always done um, during the Tour de France. And so that was 21 times over 23 days. Um, so getting onto the TCR, the TCR was just like crazy intense for me. Um, that ended up being like, I think 18 pounds, but the weight is a funny thing because it's, it's like, okay, you say it's 18 pounds, but you throw the water bottles on it. You know, it's that many more pounds, different bottle cages, more pounds, you know. What brake levers you use. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah it's there's like, so many... What screws you use? Or yeah. even like having these like... The handlebars, yeah. the arrow bars, like... Yeah, no, it's... Um, and what was really cool was when I was on the TCR, this was probably 2017, I think. Um, I was at Starbucks one morning and I had a pair of old Adidas um, soccer shorts and flip-flops, I was there before I was going to roll for snowball. And this guy comes up to me and he's like, hey, you know, he's like, are you a cyclist? I said, yeah, I'm a cyclist. And he said, oh, he's like, I really would love to get back into cycling, da, da, da. And we got to chatting and, um, and I told him about what we were doing. We were doing snowball rides and uh, 
He's like, oh, I'd love to do that. And I was like, all right, well, you know, we top at nine o'clock, you know, and when you're up at, you know, Snowball Road, you know, at nine, we'll take a photo, you know, you get a free pizza the first time you do it, and then we'll descend and so on and so forth. He's like, all right, yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to go. And he was staying with his dad and they were out at, I think, Forest Highland, or no, not Forest Highlands. They were at, um, off Lone Tree and J.W. Powell, um, that, uh, like the golf course yeah yeah uh, like if you were going to snowball or uh lake mary yeah you like drop down you go yep. bus stop, down, drop up, down go yep, up yep. that, that area made that right yeah and he was like oh i'll roll i'll roll out of there i was like all right you know but give yourself time he said nine o'clock is you know it's a hard line kind of group photo it's like for pete's clutter in a sense is the idea is we do the group photo everyone goes back and quite often most of us with pizza would be working um, so Chris comes out and, um, but he was saying he was going to start from there. And, and I was like, um, just make sure you give yourself the time or, or, you know, even if you park at the bottom of Snowball Road, the only thing we would ask of people is to ride from the bottom of Snowball to the top of Snowball. So, um, we would meet up at Pete's Cletta, we'd roll out of there and ride to the top. But really wherever someone wanted to start was fine. You know, and Chris came out and unfortunately, kind of similar to me, he underestimated Snowball. And so we topped out, we photoed, and then I waited around for a bit, rode down and caught him. And I rode up with him, did the photo thing. And um, we were chatting together. And as we were chatting, he was just talking about how he's like turning around his life or wanting to turn around his life. And um, he's like, yeah, I really want to get on a really nice bike. But he's like, he kind of saw kind of what I would think is what I went through as well. It's like, use the right tool first. Like, get yourself in shape before you throw yourself on like this really crazy light bike. Like, yeah, it's easier for you to be pushing a lot lighter bike. But if you yourself aren't like changing yourself, you're in the same position, but you're on a lighter bike. So you're not you're not working, you know, and, and, and it's not to say it's easier. Um, well, it's not to say that, um, that it's not like easier to do that to like, it would be an easier progression to be on an easier bike, but it's kind of like pushing or, or weightlifting without, you know, the, the weight on the bar, you know, it's like you can do the movements and you don't have that resistance against you. Whereas like on the bicycle, if you're pushing a 30 some odd pound bike up, you know, Snowball Road for 2,000 feet of climbing over like six and a third miles, it's going to be a lot easier to cut that weight in half almost and be on like 18 yeah, and pound you're bike. Be so much stronger when you're pushing a 30 pound bike for two years. Yeah, yeah. And then as soon as you get on a carbon bike, now you're going to drop your time by. Yeah, almost yeah. five to seven minutes because you you built that muscle. Yeah, no, and it was crazy. And so, with Chris, he was talking uh, about you know, like I said, wanting to transform his life and change and get on a new bike. And meanwhile, at at my house, I had the Defy was kind of broke down because I had kind of taken some pieces and put it onto the TCR. And so I was like, well, I have this bike. I'm you know, wanting to sell it, but it's not ready. It's not like. I'm not gonna be able to sell it to you today, and you're gonna be able to ride it. And um, he's like, "Oh, I might be interested." I said, "All right, you know, just just know that like what I have on offer." And so 
we got done to the bottom of Snowball. I think we rode home or something. I rode to my place. He rode to his place. And he calls later and he's like, I, want, I really want the bike. And I said, all right. You know, it's like, and so we meet up. And so I ended up selling him the Defy. Um, I also gifted him one of my old kits, one of my first kits from FBR. And, um, and so I gifted him that. And then I gifted him a pair of socks. I think maybe one or two pairs of socks. Like socks became this kind of like, not obsession of mine, but I would be wearing like, different socks. Every time I would be riding Snowball, um, I would be serving Pizza Claudette, Mother of Brewing Company. And so I'd always be wearing like shorts and socks and I would do almost like knee high socks. Um, and so um, it just became something that I was known for. Um, and um, so it was really awesome to pay that forward to like have Chris buy this bike and move on to that. And um, it was funny hearing the story too when you first were doing Snowball Road with Caleb, yeah, and then when you brought Chris, you you guys got up to the top, you took the pictures, just as if like you, when you were like, oh man, you saw him drive, you saw him riding back down, yeah. missed the picture, mm -hmm. and Caleb stopped and rode up with you. It was kind of like a, a good mirror. It was like whoa to see where you were at the start, and then now yeah. you're literally paying that forward. So exactly, yes. yeah. No, and 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 to to be able to have that opportunity was pretty pretty awesome but it's if there's anything I've learned over the years is like anyone and everyone's going to cheer you on but you're going to do the work you know you're you're the ones you're the one that's going to put in those miles and going to do that work and so the motivating factor of doing these things only goes so far you know it's like you know a person it's like putting fuel in a car you can put fuel in the car but if if the engine's not running it's not going anywhere so if like putting food in your body, but not doing the work, you're not really going to get the output. Um, so really for me with my bicycling, it's kind of, it kind of like become out of, uh, my other friend, James, James Worden. Um, he over the years has always been this person of like suggesting this and we're suggesting that like different routes of riding and, um, through him, I said, okay, I want to do that. Or I want to do this. And so one of the rides was um, essentially leaving from home, which was Sunnyside, and then riding out. Um, I basically would ride from Flag out to the South Rim and then back in. And so my first time doing it, I went out. Which for everyone who's listening, it's like almost 200 miles. Yeah, it's like, well, yeah, I think it's, what is it? 150. I mean, no, it's over. It's 200 plus. Yeah. So yeah. so when you're saying this, it's not like, oh yeah, I decided to go do a 60 mile ride. Yeah. You yeah. know, what you're talking about is something that's actually strenuous. Yeah. You know, it's not just every day the yeah. normal person is going to want to do that. Well, and building up to this too is like, uh, I mean, I have Snowball Road tattooed on my arm. I rode Snowball Road 101 times in 2016. Um, I've ridden it I think I counted 400 plus times in six years, seven years, something like that. Um, and then what became a regular Saturday for me was I would ride up Snowball Road. Um, I'd leave the house, let's say seven or maybe earlier than seven because I'd ride up and down Snowball Road. And then I'd get myself to pay and take so I could ride out with the boys and do pay and take, ride pay and take, 
get home, and on my way home, I'd stop at Chipotle, get food, and then go home, shower, rest a bit, and then I'd work that night at PT. And so average Saturday was like 100 miles, and then fuel, go home, rest, shower. Quite often, I'd go to Chipotle again, have Chipotle before I'd work, and then I'd work a PT shift, and then I'd get off, and... Um, so that just became like regular. Every Saturday was 100 miles. Um, and for a while, my goals were like 150 miles a week, um, which definitely got surpassed quickly if one of the days was just 100 miles itself. Um, so to do snowball, you know, again and again and again and again and again and again, um, from there became the um, Sunset Wapaki Loop, which is about 50 miles mm -hmm. if you do like you park just off 89 Sunset to 89 down, Wapatki down, out and climb out Sunset. Um, it's just right around 50 miles. And then a regular Sunday ride was almost, people would meet up at the uh, Ponderosa Parkway Starbucks and they would ride from Starbucks out and do this, the Wapatki Sunset loop again. So they'd ride 89, down Wapatki, out Sunset, and then ride back into town. That's like 70 some odd miles. And so I was doing this kind of again and again and again. And um, I can't remember which came first, but my first attempt at the flag to Grand Canyon was going up 89. So going up kind of, let's say, counterclockwise, going up past Sunset, past Wapatki, um, and then climbing from Cameron into the east entrance of the South Rim. And that's brutal. Like that was like, I can't remember the time of the year it was, um, but it was, I want to say probably summer. Like it might've been like August or something. Like it was kind of brutal. I had pasta on me. Um, I had bike fuel stuff, water stuff. And, um, but while I was at the Grand Canyon, I kind of thought to myself, you know, I don't think I'm going to com complete this. So I kind of reached out to my nephew and I said, hey, you know, would you be willing to come out and get me? And so he and his partner um, said, yeah, that's totally fine. And so they rode out. I finished out the canyon. I kind of went out, I think, towards Bright Angel and then exited the canyon, went through Tucson, then out to Valley and then onto 180 and further down 180, a good number of miles I rode. And then my nephew and his partner met up and they um, picked me up. And so it was a bit of time, I think it was maybe a month or so, and then I tried it again. And so I did it clockwise. So I went from Sunnyside, went out towards Snowball, or went out towards 180, 180 up um, and went, 180 to Valley to Tucson to Grand Canyon and then out the east to Cameron to Cameron and then 89 in back to Flash. Which sucks. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's horrible. Up. Like yeah. the other time that I did a ride like this, I was riding with Rob Krar and um, he was going out to um, Cayenta. So we rode from Flag to Tuba City. And so from Tuba City, he continued on to Cayenta. I turned around. And rode myself back to Flag via 89, of course. And then uh, when I was going by Wapaki, my thought was, let me go into Wapaki. Like, 
that'll be easier than going up this hill because at the bottom of that's not the bottom yet but yet you can see what you're gonna rock like you can see the entire way where your summit's at and so I thought well maybe if I went through a potkey that'd be quote-unquote easier and I kind of was smarter in a sense I was like no let's not do that so I just rode my way back and I, I got myself back in the flag but um I um so I did that route and that was like quote-unquote done and I was like all right that was what I was calling the epic ride and it was pretty good it was pretty epic but I decided to like throw another level at it and so working one night at Pizza Club I was running pizzas at um, Mother Road and there were these guys a bunch of runners um, that were having like fratellis I think and they threw me like a slice of fratellis and and I don't know what I was thinking, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to ride to the canyon tonight. Like, I'm going to get off of work tonight. I'm going to ride out to the canyon. And, um, and they, they were like, out to the canyon and back? And I said, yeah, I think I'll, I'll figure something out. I think I want to do snowball first. And so um, so I got off of work. I went home. Um, At what time? So I got off of work probably. This is 9 a.m. No, no, no. I got off of work probably 10-ish, maybe 11 o'clock at night. Maybe later than 11 um, because my rollout time wasn't until 12, maybe 30. So midnight 30, I'm riding up Snowball Road um, and rode down. And when I was riding down, I realized that I didn't have my cord for my watch. I knew my ride was going to be a lot longer than, um, it was going to be a lot longer than me actually, um, my watch would hold up. So I was like, all right, let me get my cord. So I ride my cord, or ride to the house, get the cord, ride out of town, go to Valley, go to Tucson, go to the Grand Canyon. Um, and actually, I can't remember where it happened. I think it was at the canyon. So I'm reaching into my bag or my pocket of my jersey and my cord drops out and it gets caught up in the rear cassette and just chews the crap out of it. And so I'm like, fuck. So, I sent out a, um, a like social media post and like show the ripped cord. I was like, I have $40 if anyone wants to go. I had another cord in my truck. I said, if someone wants to grab the cord from the truck, you can even drive the truck, whatever. It's like, I just personally, my brain was like, was Strava. It's like, it's not going to check. It's not going to check the ride. And so yeah. if it's not on Strava, it doesn't I didn't count. do it, you know? <laughs> and so um, luckily enough, a good friend of mine, Lindsay, agreed to come out and she met up with me on 89 so leaving Cameron going down she met met up with me off on the side of the road and um, she had drink stuff and she had my cord and then when I on that routing not only did I add snowball to the route I now added Wapaki so I'm off at the northern entrance exit of Wapaki and um, Ryan Sandlin from Dark Sky was there, he knew I was doing the route, and so he came out with more Powerade, Gatorade stuff, and um, and he kind of filled me up, and I left and I rolled, and I was going through, and I made a stop. I remember last time I had ice, actually, that was the thing that was my obsession. I had ice in Cameron, I stopped at like one of the gas stations, and I was pretty much melted, um, I think maybe by the time I saw Lindsay, or when Ryan, seeing him at Dark, or at um, Wapaki, so I got back down, I was going into Wapaki, 
and I can't remember if I stopped at the visitor center. I think I did, um, but I think they were closed. Yeah, I think they were closed. And so what time was this at? This was like late afternoon, early evening. Like so, the sun was still up. Um, and this is when you left already that night. Yeah. So yeah. So I left. I left midnight thirty, and so now I'm coming in, and I finished that ride. I think I finished that ride at like eight o'clock. Yeah, I think it was like was it eight o'clock, seven, eight o'clock, like not the next day since I, let's say I started Sunday, twelve thirty, and then I finished um, Sunday night at eight o'clock at night. Um, I mean, I was riding like that long climb out from basically Wapaki to Sunset. I was riding and I saw a Subi Outback come against me and I totally thought it was a good friend of mine and I was imagining them having like clean canteen that had full ice. And so I was like, oh, you know, he's going to roll up and there's going to be ice there. And um, it wasn't him. What's uh, your obsession with ice? Well, it wasn't ice. It was just, I was so hot. Oh, okay. Like, so when I was riding in from Cameron, like it was so clear sky that I just wanted clouds. Yeah. Like I wanted something to like not be so bad. So that's why ice was like, well, ice was like cool me down. Yeah, like yeah, I was yeah. just overheating. Like I think naturally I was just overheating. And, um, so I got to the sunset visitor center and they have like a water fill on the outside of the place. So I was able to fill up my waters and, um, then I got finally out of sunset and I'm going down 89 made a stop off and, um, and I don't know, I just, um, I, yeah, I, I made a stop off, I think at a gas station, again, got some drinks, I think I might have filled up the bottle with some ice and stuff <laughs> to cool it down, and I think I went to Pizza Cletta, I, I think I decided to go home first, then I drove to Pizza and had some food, but, um, so that was like kind of the epic ride in some sense. Is that like your first huge adventure? That was one of the bigger ones. This is where I, I can't remember which was first, but it's like um, I did a ride where I left from the house from Flagstaff. This was a morning ride. So I left, let's say, eight in the morning or something. And I went out Lake Mary Road out to 87 to like Clintswell or Happy Jack and then took that down to... So 87 to 260, and then 260 I took all the way down to Camp Verde, um, stopped off at Starbucks, Camp Verde to Cottonwood, um, Cottonwood through the Clarkdale, Jerome roundabout through Clarkdale. Um, I think I made the stop off at like Pizzeria Bachi and had, you know, sparkling water, filled up water bottles, then went up 89. Page Springs, Cornville, Cornville, Beaverhead Flats, Beaverhead Flats, VOC, VOC to the Sedona. Um, I think I stopped off at like 89 Agave for some water and stuff. And I'm riding up snow or up the switchbacks. And this is nighttime, like sun setting. And I'm av avoiding putting on my light because I knew I only had so much time of that light. So I was like, I just want to make sure I don't end up losing the light and that this time too um 89a was closed um after like nine o'clock 
so you had to get to a certain mile marker or it was closed and that was just like path past Griffith Springs so I'm riding up and I'm getting through all this and my light on finally and I'm trying to just track where I'm at like on the road especially at night like you don't really know where you're at and so when I saw I think it's a half a mile marker for the overlook and so I saw that I was like all right cool like only a half mile and then you had just undulating return the flagstaff and I was watching the time and I was watching where I was at and I get to Griffith Springs and Griffith Springs my light just goes out and I'm like all right so do I try to make my phone into a front light do I make my rear blinker to a front light what do I do and so I decided you know what I'll just call it I'll just I'm, I'm good I, I've I'll figure out a ride back in and so I threw a text to James and Caleb and um, Caleb was like all right I'll be there I'll, I'll come and get you and so he came out and at this point the road was closed to any southbound traffic and so he rolled up there's like that ranch boarding place on the left and so he rolls up there and they were told telling him like the the road work people they said you know um you can't drive here um it's all closed and so Caleb calls me and he says hey you know you're gonna have to walk or bike your way down to the to me um did not let me through I said all right so I rode down to him and um he had like pizza in tow he had a beer I think um like olives yeah just a bunch of stuff in the truck and uh, he took me in it was like a really cool rescue um and then I think it was I almost want to say it was about a year later that I did that route again but I finished it so I just like did the entire routing again and this time like fully finished it and then um once again timing wise um back it was September 2017 or no it was 2018 not 17 2018 I decided I wanted to do uh, Flagstaff to Tucson and so I um I was working that shift that day it was a Sunday it was Labor Day weekend um before I went into work I made a point to go and make pasta so I made a pound of pasta tossed it with some olive oil and butter and salt and pepper and stuff and I put it in a Ziploc bag um worked my shift got off of work and um when I went home I was just getting myself ready set up and James came by the house as well to kind of assess you know what I was doing and, and you know just make sure that I rolled out good and um so he I think he had gloves with him like just like rubber gloves he's like wear these then throw your gloves over top of them for warmth um and I was like all right and so I roll out of the house it was right before midnight I roll out and my routing for Tucson is going to be Lake Mary Road um to 87 through Strawberry, Pine, Payson, um, Globe, or Roosevelt Lake, Globe, and then hop over into Winkleman, Dudleyville, Mammoth, Oracle, and then Tucson. And um, the entire ride, I didn't listen to anything. Like, no music, no podcast, no nothing. Like, the initial bit, it was like pitch black. I mean, I had my headlamp, but it was like, you know, I kind of wanted to know what was going on like Lake Mary Road it's pretty desolate you know especially at night um, and there's plenty of elk so I just wanted to kind of make sure I knew 
where they were and, and, and be able to hear them. And so then to get through that and then to get onto 87, 87 is so tight, no shoulder. Yeah. Um, and riding that, it's tunnel vision. So I'm just following like my spotlight because there's no unnatural light on that road except for cars going by. And so I got into, I believe, Strawberry. I think it was like five in the morning or something like that. You're probably about mile 64. 70 something yeah, yeah probably about that and um and i stopped at the gas station got myself some i think donuts and coffee and stuff and i was like i have like these progression of photos like i'm on instagram where there's a photo of me there and it's kind of like almost like a smirk on my face of like oh yeah this is fun you know and i get myself to payson and then payson i go to the safeway there's like a starbucks there and i got some coffee um I had some of my pasta and um, and I kept on riding and just rolled out of there and rode and um, went by Roosevelt and I had to kind of be and like kind of get off the road because it was just so hot. It was so sunny. It was like to go from starting off at midnight in flag and almost cold. Like, I mean, I don't think I was, I was wearing, I believe, armor, not warmers, but more sun guards and, um, and then to get into now with Roosevelt, it was like so hot. And then climbing out of that, there's a summit to go over. I don't even know what the mountains are, but you're going over this roadway and to get into Globe, but there's like a market on the left before you get to that. So I stopped there and just loaded up with drinks and some food stuff. And, um, but when I got into Globe was when I actually had kind of, besides the pasta on me was my first meal. And so it was like, um, it was, I think I got a salad with like chicken on it and stuff. And I took a photo of myself during that. And I was like, oh, I was just, it was just kind of like, I don't know, kind of felt like I was, I think I was more than halfway there at that point. Um, and when I was rolling on a globe, there was a Dairy Queen. So I went and got myself a chocolate cone I had a chocolate cone and I'm riding down the roadway and I could hear a uh, monsoon building and so all I was hearing was like thunder and lightning and and um and the rain I was welcoming I was like give me the rain I'll take all the rain you can give me um because I was like just hot and but with the the monsoon like the lightning I was like well I'm smart enough to know that if lightning's striking around me like I'll I'll like hitch a ride but at that point, I didn't want to, like, I didn't want to hitch, like, I didn't want to lose miles. And um, so I'm riding, and uh, luckily enough, I figured that, okay, the storm's actually going west-east. So it's not really too much of a concern to me, so I'm just going to ride and keep on going. And um, so I'm going south, and uh, going through Winkleman, Dudleyville, Mammoth, then my friend Jennifer meets up with me in Oracle at this gas station. And, uh, and so she's fresh, you know, like a friend of hers drove her out there and she's ready to go for a ride. So we did some photos and once again, still my spirits are pretty good. Like my, I'm doing okay. Um, and uh, I didn't really ask too much. It wasn't, I don't know if I was, wasn't clear enough or what it was, but... I just combined two water bottles 
I think I took a five hour energy. I think I had a spring lab, a goo, and then we rolled out and we went from Oracle into Tucson. And as we're riding, like she would stop a couple times and she was like cracking jokes and being sarcastic. And I was all, I was just dry. I was just like not, I wasn't me, I wasn't unhappy or, or angry in any way. I was just like, just wanting the ride to be done. And so at one point I was like really thirsty and I said, all right, let's, you know, the next gas station that we come by, let's stop. And it's, if it's across the street, don't worry about it. Like we can just wait until one is on our side. And so there is one coming up and I can see ahead of me there's a gas station and Jennifer's ahead of me. And I'm like yelling out to her. I'm like, Jennifer, stop, Jennifer. And uh, she doesn't hear me. And so we keep on going. I keep on going. I'm like, all right, I'll just keep on going. When I should have just stopped because she would have been smart enough to go, okay, he must have stopped. But I kept on going and she finally stops. And I meet up to her. And she's like, oh, you wanted, you know, you wanted to stop at the gas station. And I said, yeah. And she said, you want to go back to that one? I was like, no. I was like, let's keep on going. Let's just get this done. Um, but we need to get some food. And at that point, I think we're at like 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night. You've been riding for... Almost, almost 24, 24 hours. hours. Well, like, yeah, so the elapsed time, that's the thing. Like, with this ride, it was 291 miles. It was just over 18 hours ride time, just over 24 hours total time. Um, and my goal was 300 miles. So I wanted 300 miles, and I wanted Flagstaff to Tucson. That was my goal. And so, um, yeah, at that point, we're easily, like, 22 hours in. I would say and um and so i was like all right we we ended up stopping off in, in an outburger but even before that we were on like tucson's got all these urban trails off the main roads and everyone just started to look the same and so in my brain i was like we're just doing the same circle like i was just getting i was actually getting mad but not really mad at her i was just like frustrated like i just wanted the ride done um, and so we finally get to the In-N-Out Burger and we go in there and Jennifer is still like pep and full of like energy and happiness. And she's telling the employees, oh, he, he just rode, you know, from Flagstaff, you know, down here and da, 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 da. And I'm like, not even, I'm just like, I just need to drink some stuff. I need to eat some food. And when I'm eating the burgers, I'm not hungry. Like I'm just eating them because I know I need calories. Mm-hmm. You know, because I knew, which I was, like, late that night when I'm waking up in the middle of the night, I was on fire. So my body was on crazy, like, just crazy amount of, um, like, my metabolism was just going crazy. And so we ended up finishing in and out and then I rode to a friend of mine's place who were hosting me. And I remember when I posted it and uploaded the ride... A friend of mine's like, why didn't you go like eight more miles? Like, how many times are you going to have an opportunity to do 300? And I said, you know, honestly, like, I agree with you. Like, yeah, I wanted 300, but my goal too is flag to Tucson, you know, and, and that's, that's what I aimed for and that's what I wanted to do. And, um, you know, I, it's a ride I want to do again. You know, it's like, um, I, yeah, I, but at a certain point, it's like there's no means to an end. I mean, yeah. when you're when you're at your destination, you've been riding for more than 
yeah. 20 hours, you're yeah. like, what's the point? Yeah, and, and what's funny is I think about it now is like I think Strava had some sort of challenge that if you did 300 miles or if you did so many K, so many kilometers within a certain, it was basically within 24 hours, you would get like this thing. Because my lapse time was over 24 hours, my ride didn't fall under that. I think, uh, I think, I don't even think it, it might have counted the amount of hours I've rode in the 24 of that day. Maybe not. I think it was the ride itself because the ride was over 24 laps. But that's the thing. It's like, for me to go from like not riding to some riding to obsessively riding snowball to then picking these routes of riding, you know, around here and around there. And, and it was just, it's just been, it, it became like an addiction. There was no doubt. Like the cycling was like, all right, I need to ride all the time. And with the job, it was kind of easy because most times I wasn't working until 4 p.m. You know, so I wouldn't get, I wouldn't be, I had all day to ride. So I'd, you know, get up, ride at some point or ride a decent amount and then get off and then be able to get home, relax and get into work, work four to 11 o'clock at night. Um, and then just go from there. And so it was, it was pretty cool to to do all that, and then um, September two thousand seventeen, I did a ride from Flagstaff to a road from Flagstaff to Natchez, Mississippi, and so it was seventy days, fifty eight days riding, twelve rest days, twelve states, over four thousand miles, over two hundred thousand feet of climbing, um, average seventy miles a day, and with that, my goal again was. And now I got it. It's the Skyline Highway is the northern route of, of the Blue Ridge Parkway. So you have the Skyline, which feeds into the Blue Ridge Parkway. And then the Blue Ridge Parkway goes south. Um, so my goal was like, I want to ride from Flagstaff to east. I want to do Blue Ridge again um, and just finish it this time. Um, and with the routing that I did... I didn't go all the way north. I ended up taking myself through Roanoke. Actually stayed with the same couple again, Rob and Lisa in Roanoke. They hosted me um, and I was able to go from their place and kind of, well actually out of Roanoke, which was really cool, is my brother rode with me. He rode with me one, you know, that one day. The entire route was self-supported, no sag wagon. Um, I ended up meeting um, this girl, Bella, she, I rode with her, like I met with her in Great Bend, Kansas. And, um, she was doing the Transamerica route from Astoria, Oregon to Yorktown, Virginia. And we stayed at this couple's house. Um, and it was off route and there were, there were hosts through warm showers. And so both of us, unbeknownst to each other, we didn't know each other. We weren't following each other. I didn't even see her on Strava. I don't, she didn't have Strava actually. Um, so I didn't know I was following anyone for that point. And, um, but she and I met up there at their place and had breakfast the next morning. And the couple, like the wife left with the kids to take them to school. The husband left for work. And when the husband was leaving, he said, you know, just when you're done, just lock up behind, uh, behind you and just, you know, you can um, just have fun on your ride. And so 
I went into town. I think Bella went on her route and I just continued on my ride and I didn't see Bella again until um, Boonville, Kentucky. We were staying behind a, behind a church and um, we ended up riding together from Boonville, Kentucky to Christiansburg, Virginia. And um, then out of Christiansburg, we split off at like a literal fork in the road. She went north-northeast to Blue Ridge and I went east-northeast to Roanoke. And um, it was kind of crazy. Like that night, Bella sent me a text and it was um, a photo of where she was staying for the night. So it was off the Blue Ridge in this like really nice bathroom. She was able to lock it. And um, so she locked the door. She was able to put out her sleeping bag, sleeping pad and um, really cush place for the night. Um, but so then Bella, she finished out her route at, in, um, in, I always have to say it to remember it. Astoria, Oregon to Yorktown, Yorktown, Virginia. So she finished like Halloween was when she finished her route. And Halloween, I was um, actually heading, I was on the Blue Ridge, kind of heading towards Asheville and some friends of mine out of Black Mountain, which is kind of east of Asheville, they came to the Blue Ridge and they picked me up off Blue Ridge Parkway. Um, and so, um, but Bella and I, two cyclists, we just kind of rode together, didn't know each other, got to know each other a little bit. Um, she finished out her route. I rode um, until I wrote it down. It's like the route went from like, um, it was like September 12th is when I rolled out and then um, it finished on November 20th was the last day and um, yeah so it was like I said 70 days 58 days riding 12 rest days um, and that was interesting that route because it's like I loosely had some things planned out like the first night I knew I was going to get the Clintswell Happy Jack I was going to camp out there um, next day was Payson and Payson there's a couple through warm showers and they're they going to host me there so I knew I had that um, and then my third day I went from Payson to um, I think it was I think Linden Linden or I think it's Linden just kind of outside of um, of Pine Top Pine Top Lakeside oh yeah yeah and so a friend of mine who I used to work with, Penny, she hosted me and I actually took a rest day with her, um, ended up doing some laundry, um, had some real food in a sense. And um, what's crazy on that route is, so I had 12 rest days the entire route of, or entire run of that trip. And five of those rest days I took by the time I left New Mexico. So oh, I had... So they were mostly... Yeah, so... On the first eighth. I know, and it was just kind of like, it was that, that creature comforts of like, all right, I want to ride, and then staying in a hotel or something like that, you know? Um, so the rest days, yeah, so the first one was, like I said, I think Linden or Pinedale, um, and then my next one wasn't until, um, actually I took two in Santa Fe, so I stayed with some friends in Santa Fe, and so um, two and three, and then two more days in Raton, New Mexico. Um, and that was partially, the weather was horrible. 
and I knew I had to ride up this pass basically on the highway off um, the Raton Pass. You go from New Mexico into Colorado. And then my next rest day wasn't until Missouri. So I took a rest day in Missouri um, at my good friends, um, Doug, Doug and, um, they're going to kill me, but I want to say Amy. I don't know why I'm spacing her last name. Or I do first that all name. the time. <laughs> it's horrible, but they're awesome people. Um, they hosted me, and um, so I was able to take a rest day there. And then my seventh rest day was um, farming, Farmington, Missouri. And um, so that was like, so rest day six and seven. And then I didn't take another rest day until Roanoke, Virginia. And that was my eighth rest day. And um, in Roanoke, my brother drove down from New York, from Long Island. My sister drove down from Pennsylvania with a friend of hers. Um, and actually her friend Heather um, came with her. And um, so my brother and I rode. Like, so I got in on Thursday. I rode in and Friday I took as a rest day. And then Saturday we, we rode again. So my brother rode with me that day. And um, it was interesting because I was fully loaded. So I had, I was riding the cross check. That was my touring bike. And so once again, I'm like probably pushing 80 pounds, you know, between bike and gear. And my brother, he had his, you know, he had a, pretty good proper road bike um he had some gear on him i don't think he had a backpack i don't think he had a bladder i think he had just water bottles but there's quite a bit of times i would ride and i'd be able to dust him like he'd be behind me and and i was like you know he didn't really come out for this like this isn't what this isn't what he came out to do you know he um he came out to be a part of this and and so i was like all right let me back it off for a little bit and just we rode together and it was really cool because actually too, Steven, my brother, he rode with me when I made my first attempt at the Blue Ridge. He and I stayed in this town um, in, uh, in Virginia. Um, and um, so the, the next day when we rolled out on that first attempt at the Blue Ridge, he rode with me, I think five miles or 10 miles or something because he was gonna ride those miles and then he was going to um, drive himself back to New York. And so um, that Saturday of my trip, he and I rode from Roanoke. And we actually rode, ironically enough, this is funny, is we rode to um, Meadows of Dan. So where I threw in the towel the first time on the Blue Ridge was where we went. We had like a cabin we were staying. The four of us were staying there. And um, so along that route... Um, our, my sister, our sister was able to play Sagwagon. So they went, her and her friend Heather, took the two cars, dropped one at the cabin, and they were driving one back. And um, so every now and again, they would be stopping long route. And it was something I didn't have the entire route that I had. And um, at one point, we're riding, my brother and I are going um, south on the Blue Ridge, and I see the cyclist coming northbound against us. And I was like, I recognized the person and it was this guy Bruce and Bruce I rode with along my route um, in Kansas I rode with him I think three days and um, so I'm riding and I just slowly I'm like crossing the lines going onto oncoming like into the shoulder and stuff 
And my brother, unbeknownst to what's going on, he's like, hey, either he's having some trouble or he knows this person. And so it turned out, obviously, I knew him. And so we made the stop and we were chatting with him. And Bruce and I rode to um, Fort Scott, Kansas, like easternmost point of Kansas. And he took himself kind of south. And then he kind of put himself through, like, I think Knoxville. And then he was in, like, through Asheville. And then he went up um, Mount Mitchell, which is, like, the tallest mountain east of the Mississippi. And he did that. And then he was heading himself up, back up the north of the Blue Ridge. And, um, but, um, yeah, it was just really kind of cool to just run into him. Just I knew he was kind of along that route. I just didn't know we would run into each other. And um, there's this video of... My sister, she was like driving by us and she threw us on the video and she's like, what, you know, what are you guys doing? Like, you should be riding. Keep on riding. Like, what are you stopping and talking for? And um, we were just like, just laughing at her. But um, it was just nice to have my brother ride with me for that day because like, you know, all of my riding predominantly besides like group rides and stuff has always been solo. Mm-hmm. You know, to, so to be sharing those rides with someone and for it to be my brother was really cool um and it was a long day it was i think not long in distance but like the amount of climbing like we did at least 50 some miles or 60 some miles but we did probably 5000 plus feet of climbing in that day and it was just and my brother's a runner he's not really so much the cyclist and so you know you have different muscle makeup and all that and so that was yeah Saturday and I knew and saw there was weather coming like we were into the latter part of October um, so I was kind of ahead of kind of my deadline of wanting to get the Blue Ridge done before Halloween let's say or by Halloween um, but the next day was tough because it was like Stephen was going to go back north to New York Terry and her friend Heather were going to go to Pennsylvania and I was going to get back, you know, on my tour, you know, and, and so I, when I rolled out of our cabin, I had every gear, every piece of gear on me, like, or not gear, but like, I guess you can say gear, it's like, so I had my base layer, just like kind of long sleeve top and pants, I had my, um, my kit, and I think I had like a short sleeve kit, and then I also had a long sleeve kit, um, or Jersey, I should say. And then um, my rain gear on top of that. And it was still so windy and so cold and it was wet. And I just didn't want to ride that day. And I remembered, um, I kind of made a deal with myself. I was like, all right, just get to North Carolina. Once you get to North Carolina, you know, you can figure out where you're going to stay. And um, and so I ended up getting to, I think it was Roaring Gap, North Carolina. And... Um, and just, it was really, I don't know. It was it's like, like the hardest day. I would say it was kind of, it felt like one of the hardest ones because it was just like, left, you're alone. yeah, it was just, you know, I mean, there was so much that was like, it was kind of, it was kind of like that first attempt of like the flag Grand Canyon thing. It was like, I kind of threw in the towel and I was like, you know, I'm done. I, and so to know it was even the first time on the Blue Ridge, like the first time when my knee was giving me issues, I remember messaging Rob and saying, yeah, I don't know if I can do this, da, da, da. 
in hopes that he would be like, oh, come out and get you or whatever. And, but that response never happened. And I'm, in a sense, I'm grateful because it's like, it made me adapt, made me, you know, figure out things. Um, so on like the Blue Ridge, you know, I, you know, I just kind of called it a little bit early on that day, just get that done, get North Carolina, get into North Carolina and then kind of kept on going. And then, um, it just, it was just like, okay, I had so many more days to go through. Um, I, once again, like getting back to the rest day thing, um, I didn't have another rest day until Knoxville, Tennessee. I stayed with a very good friend of mine, Brian, um, and stayed with him and his wife, Jess, um, for two days in Knoxville. And that was really awesome. So that was like nine and 10 on rest days. And then um, going to Tennessee was crazy. Like the Eastern part of Tennessee is so much more mountainous and so much more climbing. And I was riding through all that. And that routing, like once I left the Blue Ridge Parkway, like I wasn't really following a route. Like, so I went along basically leaving flag, trying to get onto the Transamerica route. So to try to follow that, that like, my original thought was I was going to get onto the 40 and I take I-40 and, and ride that to like Albuquerque was my thought. And James being the smart person, he's like, dude, the speed limit on that is like at least 75 miles an hour. You know, so think about people that are getting off the highway that have been following at like 75 plus, maybe 80, 90 miles an hour. They're, you know, coming down from that speed to get off the ramp or people that are getting onto the highway at that speed. He's like, you really don't want to do that. You know, I was like, I don't, he's like, I wouldn't do that. And so that's got, that's what where got me on to the, well, I'll do Lake Mary, but then it got me south. And so I kind of, you know, went away south. I went like Payson and then out of Payson, Pine Top Lakeside. Out of that, I went into Eager Springerville. And then Eager Springerville went through Pie Town. Yeah. Um, and Pie Town basically crosses the CDT. Um, and then from Pie Town went through like, they call it the VLA, which is, there's all these satellites. It's like from the movie Contact. They oh. filmed like all, you know, scenes from that. And there's this little kind of town called Magdalena. I passed through there, but I should have stopped there. And I stayed in Socorro. And Socorro was just kind of like this little bit of a rundown city. But, um... But yeah, it went way south and then I had to come way north. And then to get onto the, the Transamerica route, I didn't really get onto that until after I did the Raton Pass. I'm going Raton into, um, I think it was into Trinidad and then La Junta. And then out of La Junta, I stayed in like a KOA La Junta. And then out of La Junta, I finally got on route of the Transamerica via Eads, Colorado. Um, but yeah, so it was like, I, I kind of had a route that I was following. And so Tennessee was where that route, I, I can follow the roadways in a way. So I was just kind of following smaller roads. Um, and I had my aunt and uncle, they were in, or they were going to be in Nashville. So I was able to meet up with them in Nashville. And, and so I took basically my last final rest days in Nashville um, for two days. And then I rolled out... Um, I think it was Monday and then 
out of Nashville, got into Natchez Trace, and I rode the Natchez, and um, my first day on the Natchez, I put myself in a pickle because um, I just kind of kept on riding, kept on riding, kept on riding, and I didn't want to, um, didn't want to camp out that night. I think I got too relaxed staying at my, my aunt and uncle's RV, and so my brother was reaching out, like trying to figure out where I could stay. He essentially was my point person, my PR, like he would do my posts on Instagram. And he, um, he also just, um, like he would find if there was a place he could stay at, or he would look through my, my logins for like warm showers, just see if there were any hosts in the area. And so luckily enough, I was supposed to stay at some sort of hotel motel. Um, in, I think it was, I can't remember the town, but, um, but I ended up going to this restaurant and when I was at this restaurant, these three people came in and it was like a husband and wife and a friend of theirs. And the wife was saying, Oh, there's the cyclist. And, um, so they had seen me riding the Natchez trace earlier in the day. And, um, so we got the chatting and they, um, they were riding the Natchez Trace as well, but they were doing a two-car setup. So the couple would park north or north on the north end of the route, and they would ride south, and their friend Smith would ride south. So he he'd drive his car south, and he'd drive north, or ride his bike north. Which in hindsight now I'm like that doesn't it's not so much that it doesn't make sense, but they should have always always been riding to their respective vehicles. You know, yeah. Like, they could have been riding, driving Smith's car, leaving it north, and then Smith could have left their car south. But yeah, they could all rode to one car. Yeah, well, well, to their respective cars. So oh, they yeah, would ride to their cars, you know. And for me, what they did, which was awesome, is they would drop me off at the start of, or where we finished the day before, they would go back to that spot and let me start again. Um, because for me, I was just on my bike, just riding. And so... Um, so I got to ride in with them. And so we rode together the entire way of the Natchez. And so when we finished out in the Natchez Trace in Natchez, Mississippi, we stayed at a hotel that night. And they then um, ended up driving me up to Ohio. And I spent Thanksgiving with them and um, didn't know them, obviously, until I ran into them a long route. And um, the husband... He, it was Dick and Cheryl. Dick drove me to Cleveland on Black Friday so I could catch the train to go to New York to get back home to Long Island and, or actually to Stephen's place, to my brother's place. And, um, but it was just like crazy just how that worked. And the people you meet too, which is super cool. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, going from like wanting to become a part of a community to meeting a guy that like wants to get, like, turn his life around and, being able to, you know, gift him the bike and, you know, try to put him on track of that and then to ride across country and like Bella, when I met her in Kansas, like we were cyclists and she finished out her route, like I said, and then she started doing a bit of the Southern Tier um, the following year. She rolled out, I want to say it was like on Valentine's Day and Southern Tier goes like from Florida to California and she came up through Arizona, and so we ended up meeting. She was in Black Canyon, and she was going to try to get up to Flag, 
but didn't know how to get there. And I was like, well, you could ride the highway. Like you're, you're legally allowed to, um, I wouldn't suggest it, but, um, so I drove down and I picked her up and then we ended up going to Cottonwood. We went to Pizzeria Bachi, had food, camped out. We biked the next day. Um, but it was just like kind of long with long story short, she ended up, her and I ended up dating. We dated for like three and a half years. Um, she would live in Maine. And so we were doing kind of long distance thing from Maine flag and her in Maine. And then she was doing college in North Carolina. And um, so, yeah, I mean, so you even like, met like a future, yeah, yeah, no, spouse, it was, like, yeah, 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 no, on, on in the middle of uh, in Kansas, like, crazy route, yeah, yeah, almost no. in the middle of nowhere, yeah, it was absolutely um, crazy. So, like, what's your like as we wrap it up, like, what's your like main purpose and mindset coming into these crazy routes, like, like getting off work at 11, yeah, and going out, or like what almost as if like what are you seeking right because i know in my experience i ride because i want to seek a certain thing mm-hmm. it's like well i want to seek a certain fitness i want to seek a certain feeling and i also want to free myself yeah. like almost as if like i need to to reflect or i just need time by myself you know there's like yeah there's a purpose why you ride so like what was that what's yeah. the mindset coming in to long ones there's almost no rhyme or reason to them. Like the, the long ones are like, let me see how far I can push myself. Yeah. You know, and I feel like they built, they would just build, build on each other. So snowball was like speed. Snowball was like, all right, I want to do it. I want to get faster and faster and faster. Um, which is all well and good, but it doesn't really lend well to distance. Yeah. Like, like Mary rides or distance rides. Those are the builders. And so really it was like, let me see how far I can go get a century under me and then okay now do 200 miles get that done and then really i think the really the longer longer rides were really building up to um to the 300 miler and then also it was some of them are even before my tour um so it was just kind of just building that endurance you know it was like i don't know like glutton you know, for punishment yeah, like just get uncomfortable as many times as you can. Yeah, yeah, no. And it's, yeah, and how do you adapt when shit gets bad? Yeah, and it's it's really it's funny because there's there's a video my brother put together on my page, and um, I, I there's a line I say where it's like, you know, the challenges that are there ones that you already know. You know, it's like you know they're there, and you just really like you kind of you kind of forget about them when you're riding you just you just ride and it's like you don't think about it but then for me personally any of these things whether it be like this longer distance rides or the tour is like the creature comforts is like being done with the day like if i would reach out to my brother and said okay this is where i want to end up today um you know having him find me a place to stay like i'll ride 200 miles but if i know i have a place to stay or i have some food like i'm i'm happy you yeah know i mean um so it's really it's kind of like what am i biking towards you know it's like what does that look like and 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 i think part of it at times was like to loop it to get myself from flag out and back to flag like that type Use of your stuff. driveway yeah yeah yeah. Come yeah right back to your driveway yeah 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 no and and 
then the flight to Tucson was the epitome of like, okay, I want to go 300 miles and I want to go to Tucson. And um, what was really awesome with that is Tap and Bottle in Tucson hosted kind of the last part of my fundraiser. So they donated, it was like a dollar for every beer sold and they did it for both their locations. And that put me over my fundraising that I did for the bike route. And um, yeah, it was, it was really, it was pretty awesome. Like, I don't know, it was, it was crazy. Dude, but, yeah. yeah, your stories are really cool. And you even, uh, the fundraiser was for cancer. Yeah, so the Cancer Research Institute. Um, so I've lost, my uncle died of, I don't know if it was prostate cancer, but he died of cancer. My mother's sister, or not sister, but my mother's brother, he died of lung cancer like when I was young. Um, our aunt, my dad's sister died. She had cancer, and I think she passed in 2016. Um, my parents, they didn't die of cancer, but the route, the tour I did in honor and memory of them. Um, so dad passed away November 16, 2012. And then mom passed away 80 days later, February 4th, 2013. And so, um, they, they became kind of like, kind of a motivator in some sense at one point. Like, um, I really didn't quote unquote turn my life around or, or get myself focused on myself until let's say 2015, but um, but I feel like they definitely have motivated motivated me over the years um, for that. So yeah, it was it was a Cancer Research Institute of New York or Institute, and they're based out of New York, and um, yeah, raised over five thousand dollars for them, and I was able to give them the check. I think I gave them the check in. 2018 or no it was 2019 nice. so yeah, yeah yeah and there's a, a ride for a cause too which mm -hmm. I mean this is going to be more of a motivator than going come on you can do it well yeah and the thing too though that was interesting is like doing that like my goal ended up being $5,000 but none of that I touched so it's like the entire ride it was self-supported um, which it was a little costly, you know. Oh, it, yeah. You learn, you know, especially when you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to stay at a hotel or a motel versus pitching a tent. Like, On the side in a gutter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or what's really cool is like a lot of these routes, like whether it be the Transamerica route or, you know, Blue Ridge is less set up, but you'll have bike-specific hosts. So like a lot of churches on the Transamerica route will host you. That's and awesome. So you can just camp out and they're in their rectory or their, you know, rec hall or whatever it is of the church. And so you find that quite often on the route. Um, and then I gave back, like, anyone that donated up to a certain amount, like, I, you know, had Pizza Cletta hats made where it would say Pizza Cletta's logo. And I think we had their first initial last name. And then the other side had the Pizza wheel, which, like, that's the tattoo here is, like, Pizza Cutter's wheel. Um, but, yeah. So, yeah, a lot of giving back. You know? Yeah. Uh, so That's good. Yeah. Yeah, it's a selfless act. And that's what you're... Uh, I reached out to your sister, you know, to give, like, kind of a bio or a, a background and selflessness and compassion. Um, 
almost to a flaw, almost yeah, you would say. Yeah. But I, I I respect that. And I, I my stepdad actually was um, diagnosed with uh, it was a uh, skin it was skin cancer. And so before I really got into like ma- like marathon racing, I was gonna I was gonna do a big fundraiser like right before the baby uh-huh. and Kenzie yeah. I was like I was gonna like start on the California coast I didn't even know anything about bikepacking or anything okay. I was like I'm I'm gonna do this and he's getting better and and so forth so it was like I didn't have to go to that extent but yeah. um, it's almost like doing these things for a purpose is almost better than riding the bike you know it's like yeah. riding riding the bike is actually just a, a bonus to it yeah yeah um, but uh, where where can people find you so Instagram, it's what is it? Landau the Free, underscore. Landau the Free. Landau <laughs> the Free. Yeah, one of the boys from Bike Flag Bike Revo would always say Landau the Free. So that's the Strava handle, Landau the Free, and I believe Instagram is Landau the Free underscore double o seven or something. I'll put it in the show notes for okay. everyone too. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's pretty much Instagram is definitely a go to for me. Um, Strava, I'm getting myself back riding wise. Um, I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, um, what was this, like October 2021? Yeah. And so that's been a battle. So that's changed my writing yeah. in quite a bit. Um, but yeah, so that's, yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Well, Brian, thank you so much for joining on the podcast. And I, there's so much more that we have to discuss because, I, know, I, I mean, f- an hour, an hour and a half is like, you can't fit much into it, you know? Yeah, it's um, crazy. But we're going to have to touch base again and ride, and, and I want to get to know you a little more. Yes, please. We've got to have you back, because with everyone, it's just like, when you do these podcasts, it's like, you hear, like, you hear the base of it, but you know there's just 24 hours more of... Yeah, and, and I'm, I, I, I talk kind of around the world, and I feel like without the structure of like, okay, what... Because I feel like I'm the non-traditional rider like I, I've never gone pro I've never like never really competed I did man versus machine once I did the Flagstaff Omnium which was like you know one day is a Williams ride the second day is snowball ride um so yeah it's like like I said coming into this I was like okay what am I what am I talking about what am I getting at like there's so much to be talked about like yeah, I mean, like, the cancer thing. I don't know. You can talk forever. Yeah, even in your just transformation from, you know, uh, being 220 pounds and then ride, and getting on a bike and then finding a passion and a love for the bike and meeting your community and meeting your people and it's got you a job. And, um, you know, it's just, it's not about being a pro. It's like the stoke of the bike that's, super yeah, yeah. cool you know and like your story is so impactful because even if you know even from a pro's perspective I mean it's like that's it's the whole point we're all on a bike you know it's like to to find a deeper spiritual connection yeah. you know and, and, and this community too yeah it's like, totally it's like recognition through that community to and I think cycling is one of those things where it's like it's intimidating but it's also incredibly inclusive in a sense. Like mm-hmm. once you kind of crack that nut a little bit, like 
people are willing to like let you in, you know, and really once you're a part of it is it's pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, sweet Brian, we'll, we'll we'll cut it here. Yeah. So, all right, guys, you stay stoked, um, and hopefully these the freaking uh, mics picked up both yeah. ends, but yeah. they definitely picked up yours. I know that they don't need to hear.